Hey, everybody. I'm Marcia O'Connor, and I am CEO and founder of The O'Connor Group. And today is top three, where entrepreneurs share their secrets and their mistakes. So I have a dear EO friend here, Kevin Nolan, from the famous Nolan Painting. Uh, and if, for those of you that live on the East Coast, specifically around the greater Philadelphia region, uh, you know that sign, the fall, spring, and summer around here. So Kevin, welcome to the show today. Well, thanks for having me, Marsha. It's an honor to be here. And I've heard some of the past podcasts. So it's, uh, I feel like I'm in great company. Thank you. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Um, and then for all of us listening out there, a lot of our entrepreneurs, and so they always love to hear a little bit about you, Kevin, and how you got started and what's your relationship with everything. So how, give us a little bit of snippet there. Uh, well, so I've been, I've been a house painter uh, for 40 plus years. Um, and um, right now, I think we can claim the title of the largest residential house painter in the United States when measured the way we measure it, which is employees um, and then really only residential painting. So we focus on that. And uh, so we have about 106 employees. But I, I started a long time ago by myself painting houses. And I started as a I had an entrepreneurial seizure while being a student at Villanova. Um, I did manage to complete um, my degree, but I really wanted to get going. I was in, I was enjoying the painting business. Um, and I felt like I could add value and improve it. So um, I just kept on going. I was real serious about it. And I, and I grew my organization over the years. Um, we've been held back a little bit because of COVID, but um, we're hoping to grow again uh, soon. Um, and then about 15 years ago, I started another business with my brother, Brian, where we, um, we help other painting contractors throughout the country, other contractors as well, uh, but, but the but the uh, strong majority of them are, are painters. We help them with their business. So we use some of our best practices and share that with them. And uh, we have about 120 clients all, all across the United States that use our systems. So I've, I've taken something like painting and I just had a, a lot of fun with it. And, and let's talk about that, Kevin, because yeah. you, you went to college, you're doing some painting. You said, I can do this, I can do it better. I can do it more efficient and all too. What, how did you start thinking that? Cause you're young, you know, a lot of times you get told, no, like, what do you know? You're not in the business long enough. And I'm sure you got a lot of pushbacks then, you know, what were some of the things and challenges that you overcame at that time? Well, I mean, some of the bigger challenges that you certainly have as you're starting a business like that, particularly a business like this painting business where you have a, a cash business and you don't want to have a cash business. You want to have a real business. You want to have a business where you pay people wages and benefits and where you pay taxes and insurance. Well, you don't want to pay too much of that stuff, but you do want to be legitimate. And our industry, even to this day, is filled with a lot of businesses that are not legitimate. So I remember after I got out of college, my dad was surprised that I was going to continue. Uh, he had just... Uh, helped me get through Villanova and spent a lot of money. And he was like, you want to paint? Okay, but you're going to be a legitimate, real business. And I remember hearing those words echo in my head that I have to be a legitimate, real business. And that was the challenge uh, that for many, many, many years was to you know, pay for health insurance, pay for 401k, pay for the things it takes to be a real business. And um yeah, so we we've we've done that, and we've uh, once we did that, we were able to start to attract people because 
you know, real people want to belong to a real business. So, um, so just a lot of years. And over the years, I built a team and I have some of the same people that have been with me since the beginning. Um, and now they're my management team and my CFO. And so um, really it was about taking the, the aspects of business that we see in all businesses and just applying them to a business that's maybe not so sophisticated, the painting industry. And um, and then and then trying to scale it up. So um, the journey continues. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, honestly, to take about so what people don't always realize when you're an entrepreneur and you start with people and you're figuring out, you know, what's working, what's not working. You maintain them to stay with you, to move up that ladder with you. You know, what were some of the tools and tricks that you did to make sure that they felt like they felt safe? There was a trusted environment and that there was basically room for opportunity. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure how much of it was in a, you know, I'm, I'm one of seven kids. I'm the middle child of seven so by nature, you're sharing because someone's taking it away from you and they're taking it for to play with it for a little while. So you're sharing. Um, and so I had that sort of mentality of building a team pretty much from the get go. I don't think I painted more than a day or two by myself before I was bringing on, you know, employees or coworkers or what have you. But always building a team of people and then sharing with them pretty much in an open, honest way, all of the challenges and, and then really let them know that, um, you know, I wasn't money hungry, money driven. Um, it's been my experience through the years that most entrepreneurs really aren't money hungry, money driven. They really just want to build something. They just love to build something that works and they love to build teams and organizations that work. And that's really what motivates me and has always motivated me and looking for opportunities for other people in that team. You know, one of my favorite um, philosophers uh, or motivational speakers, uh, Zig Ziglar, always said, you can get anything in the world you want if you help other people get what they want. And I sort of picked up on that kind of early and, and then started to tell people visions of what their life could be like if they hung around and, you know, now, many years down the road, I pay six figures to to a lot of people that do a lot of important things here, sales and, you know, the, the, the CFO I was telling you about, and I have an operations manager and they're running a big company. And so we're a lot of that dreams, the other things that I promised them came true. And so that's that's really the most rewarding aspect of the business is building the business. And luckily and hopefully you have to do things right. And you can make some money as well. So, um, but not every year. Every year has been a different challenge. And these last couple have been pretty challenging uh, for us all. No, oh, absolutely. And and that's what this show is all about, Kevin. It's about the secrets and the mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, or things that we just have learned and said, wow, I wish I wish I had done that then. I wish I had known about that and all too. So let's talk yeah. about that. Yeah. You know, some of us go into mistakes first as to yeah. what would you say, you know, was like top mistakes for you and what were they and what did you do? Well, luckily I've recovered from them, but I make them all the time that I recover from them, right? I mean, the, the biggest thing that I always can't help but wonder is why it took me so long to come up with a process of business planning. So I'm in business for 17 years before I realize that you have to have the plan and work the plan. 
Um, and I'm thinking to myself, man, if I would have started that so much earlier, uh, we could have been so much further along. But yeah, so I was 37. Now that's not so unusual. I you know I know from EO, there's a lot of people just working really hard at age 30, the mid 30s are just working really hard. And they don't necessarily have it all planned out the way mm-hmm. either they should or, or want to. Um, and that was me. And I read a book called The E-Myth. And mm-hmm. The E-Myth changed my life. And literally, I, then I just became a planning, crazed planning person. Um, I did a primary aim. You know, a primary aim is where you decide what you really want in your life. And then you build the business around that. So you have your primary aim, but then you have your business plan. And they're two different things. And your life is different than your business. It definitely is. So a lot of that clarity of thinking, um, I wish that I had developed it earlier. I wish that I had read the books. I wish that I had, I wish that I didn't think I knew so much when I was in my 20s. I wish I was more curious then. Um, Because from about age 37 to now, I'm 62, Mm -hmm. uh, I've been like um, a learning, you know, just learning fool. I just... I listen to books every week. Um, I pay attention to all the information that I ingest, whether I don't, I don't watch TV. Instead, I read a book or I listen to a podcast or I, I try to make sure that I'm putting healthy things in me. So, but that wasn't always the case. I wish I had done some of those things way, way earlier. Um, I know that year to year, we look back and we think about the things that we could have done differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 2021 isn't over yet. I don't really quite have the clarity, but I sure I sure made a lot of mistakes in the in in 2020 um, through that whole period of when we were shut down. We were shut down for six weeks, and um, I really thought another recession was coming. I was mm-hmm. I was sure of it. I mean, we've had I've been through four recessions. I was yep. pretty sure another one was coming. And I was really conservative. Um, I didn't bring everybody back. Um, I, I, I basically spent, um, I actually spent money on marketing, which turned out I didn't need to do because I, actually what happened is um, we got incredibly busy mm-hmm. and we, um, we ended up having a um, overbooking a lot of people um, really just stressed out trying to, you know, meet the needs with less of a workforce. Um, so, so last year was a tough year. I remember looking back thinking, boy, my communication strategy was terrible for 2020. How was I going to get to know and be with my employees? And I mean, I don't know whether I was a deer in headlights or not, but I, I look back and I thought once again, I wasted um, a few months so that's mostly why my regrets are is when I waste time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we got to cut ourselves slack, um, but that's always what concerns me is when I waste time. I think every entrepreneur hates to waste time, Kevin. And that's like one of our things. And when things aren't being done efficiently and right, we're like, yeah. move out of the way, I'll fix it for you. Kind of yeah. thing. Urgency, you know? urgency, urgency. Yeah, that's just our DNA. And, yeah. But you but you learn from all that. And I don't think anybody could have predicted, you know, the fact that, oh, my gosh, you know, by September, we were hiring all these people again. And, you know, and the, the demand came out of nowhere. And 
I can definitely yeah. say the painting business probably boomed because everybody was home yeah. looking at their walls and say, I need a change of that color. This year has been pretty strange because we are less people than we've ever had before or less people than we've had in the last six, seven years. And yet we're the most profitable we've been. So there's a lot of a lot of my uh, business uh, paradigms are being flipped upside down mm -hmm. um, and we've had to really pivot and come up with new ways to deal with situations. So once again, this year we were overbooked uh, for the whole year. Um, actually, we weren't um, we had a backlog. We weren't actually overbooked. We talk about the difference between the two. Overbooked means I told you I'd be there and I'm not. And backlog means you're just gonna have to wait in line and people will wait in line. So we had a big backlog the whole year and mm -hmm. I had six salespeople who had nothing to sell. Wow. So for, um, I guess three months, we told them don't sell. Right. Um, I didn't want to lose these salespeople because they're terrific people and they're part of my team. Um, so I repurposed them for uh, project management for the last for three months, I took away their their sales uh, quotas and gave them uh, production quotas. Okay. Um, and it turned out to really work all kinds of uh, magic in our productivity. And so now we're really profitable and productive. And now they're back to selling again. So wow. um, I just never thought that I have a situation where I would tell your sales team, stop, don't sell anymore. Um, yep. and, um, and then to pivot into some way to still keep them productive and useful and upbeat and positive. So yeah, it's just been a crazy year. I haven't had to market this year. Um, and then of course, you know, you're in the HR industry. Recruiting is, is the toughest it's ever been, particularly for the, le lo the lower level jobs oh. that, that, um, where we start people at with no experience, you know, to teach them a skill or a trade. So it's just really hard to find people that want to do that work right now. Um, it's so cool. hard, Kevin. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, unless you build them yourself kind of a thing. But I can tell you, I hear a lot more people say to me, I'm just, you know, not going to go to college. I'm just going to get a job and move that way because there's a lot of opportunity out there. And yeah. I, there are so many people that are telling me nowadays, I don't care if they have a degree. I just need people. I need people yeah. that can think and move and get stuff done. Um, so definitely. Well, so we're things. actually in a good position for that. Cause that's always been, we take people with no skill at all and we teach them how to paint within one year. And we have a whole program. We have an online learning where they, they do the learning and then they do on the job training. Then they're measured on a monthly basis. Um, and they get promotions and raises and we keep them moving up the ladder. And mm -hmm. so we're, we're able to, to train and grow our own painters and hopefully grow them from um, as they come out of high school. And that's exactly what our approach is and what we're looking to really, really focus on in the coming years. Uh, yeah. Because our, our opportunity in the first um, year or two is really um, you know, pretty dramatic compared to some of the other opportunities they may, like compared to retail or even other trades opportunities, we're able to pay 16, 18, 20 dollars, 22 dollars an hour, all very, very quickly within a year or two. Um, and then of course we have benefits and vacation and um, health care and 401k. And so so we actually have a pretty attractive package for a young person. 
And now we're just trying to get out there and, and tell them about it. Once again, last year was kind of strange because high schools were in and out. They weren't going back and forth to classes. So it was hard to find uh, places to meet these people and tell them our story. So we're hoping for uh, some more traction around that uh, this year. But um, yeah, that's our, our program is to uh, train someone how to paint quickly um, and get them up to speed. And, you know, we have had significant turnover throughout the years, more so now than ever before. But throughout the years, we've always had turnover. Um, and I've kind of come to terms with turnover in our industry. Um, I realized a while ago that not everybody wanted to be a painter their whole lives. Um, if I could get three to five years out of, a, out of somebody and they had a good experience or we had a good experience, I would call that a win. And lots of our, you know, lots of the mechanisms in society that we have used have that same premise. Um, you know, like for instance, you know, the army, you know, the army, they get you, they get you trained up in a few months, they send you overseas. Um, and you know, you might have a year or two or three year stint and, yeah. you know, probably, I don't know the number, but maybe 80% of the, of the enlisted people, you know, leave after so many years. And then some of them stay. And yep. that's a framework that we sort of try to mimic. Um, Good. And, yeah. Uh, just sort of make friends with it. Yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a lot of really good um, veteran programs, too, um, in this area um, to definitely tap into to keep that moving. But that would be great because I think sometimes they, especially when they come back off a of duty, um, off of, you know, leave, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get back into the workforce sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't think corporations understand reading a veteran's resume and there's a disconnect there big time. Right. And so that would be a great avenue, I would say, definitely to pull people in. There's, there's plenty of avenues actually, but it's really figuring out how to do that really well. But yeah. you got, got a great reputation, Kevin. You have a family nice. business and you have the whole family in it. So tell us more about how they got all involved and what they do. Well, my, my sons have been in it for a long time. Um, I guess they started when they were 14 years old. You know, they would work during the summers. And um, now they're 30, uh, 29 and 30. So they've got, they've got some experience in there. But I remember senior year, they went to Penn State. And senior year, they, they both said, they were a year apart. They both said, this is my last year. I'm done. I'm getting a real job. And then they, they came back and they took it. They, they, they did some painting for a couple of weeks, months, years. And then they end up. They often say it's hard to get out of the painting business. So, um, and now my one son, Kevin, runs a team of about 30 people. And he'll, uh, he'll be a COO someday. And then uh, my other son, Chris, is an estimator. Um, and he, he does estimating and sales. So, and then my daughter, I, I actually begged her to come to the business. She had a job um, and I just knew her skill set would be needed. Um, and she was a director of operations for a company, but now she's director of HR at Nolan Painting. And so uh, the three of them are very involved. Um, but uh, I recently um, have promoted my vice president of sales to become president. And so the theory is, is that um, we'll talk about ownership and management on two separate pathways. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they're not the same thing. Always. Nope. Sometimes they are. You know, when, in my case, sole entrepreneur started the company founder. Yeah, they're they're the same owner, manager, same. But in the rest of the world, second, third generation businesses, a lot of times 
ownership and management are different. So mm-hmm. um, we have a veteran management team. My my president, John Meyer, has been with me 30 years, and um, he's 10 years younger than me. So he's um, has a nice long runway where he could, um, you know, run the company for a number of years. And I can be really confident, and so can my my children, that it'll be run the way it's been run. Um, so yeah, so I'm focusing heavily on um, on succession um, over the next three years to replace my skill sets, but also the skill sets of other people in the company. My my CFO, I mentioned to you before, so he's here close to 30 years. He started as a painter, um, yeah. and now he's a CFO. He, uh, he'll be leaving in five years. And then the COO, he'll be leaving in five years. So we've got their dates of when they're leaving. And now we're looking to fill it in with, uh, with training and education so that people are ready. Um, I happen to be very open and transparent. So my timetables are laid out. So no one's in mystification wondering, well, what's Kev going to do? Um, We've we've got it all spelled out over the next three to eight years. No, oh, it's fantastic, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and you know, you wouldn't be here to forty some years is amazing, especially then running into a family business. But so, what are some of your secrets? You know, the secret sauce that keeps it all together, Kev. Well, to be honest with you, it's the same probably for every company. It's mission, vision, values, repeat. Um, the so you have to be a mission driven company, I think. Otherwise, it is just about the money and. Really, I mean, uh, like I said, you're you're in HR. You know, it's really not about the money. It's really about you know how you feel in an organization, whether you're treated right, whether you get recognized, and all those things. So it ends up really being you know worthwhile work. That's what people really want. They want worthwhile work. Um, they want to be paid well for it. But so mission. You know, you've got to have a clear mission. People have to clearly understand what's happening. Um, and you have to build that structure around that because, yeah, it's okay for the entrepreneur to operate by the seat of the pants, but nobody else signed up for that. They all want regular paychecks, regular reviews. They want to know what's happening. Um, so mission, vision, values, repeat. I find that most of the time I have to repeat it over and over again and do it joyfully. Like, don't say, why do I have to keep telling these people the same thing over and over again? Hey, that's my job. Mm-hmm. My job is mission, vision, values, repeat, um, and to do it uh, with new stories, new anecdotes, um, and just new ways to relate it back to them, right? So that's that's probably the biggest thing. We're very, very much a values-based organization. Um, you know, I have them up on the wall. Um, but more importantly, I know them and talk about them in, in, in a story way. I tell mm-hmm. stories about how they've been part of our business. So our business values are transparency, which I've already talked to you about. You know, we are open book company. I talk about profits. Once again, nobody's getting up in the morning and think, hey, how can I get Kevin a motorboat? You know, they all have their own agendas and I'm helping them get to their agendas. But they also know what our company's agenda is because we're open. We talk about profits and what we do with profits and how we distribute them. Um, so transparencies are one of our main values. Um, accountability. Um, it just so happens that accountability is really what makes me tick. Really what um, I just love accountable people, people that take responsibility, that don't make excuses. 
I like to do that myself. It makes me feel empowered. Um, and so I like people around me that are accountable. Uh, I don't like to blame. I, I like to just solve problems and accountable people want to do that as well. Um, friendly. So I often say hire friendly and train painting. Um, friendly is the most important value that customers recognize. You would think it was like high quality. No, it's high quality is a given. They expect mm -hmm. it. They paid for it. They expect it. It's friendly. Friendly is what wins them over and makes raving fans. Um, friendly is what keeps employees here. Friendly is caring about each other. Um, and so we look to hire people that are friendly and we make sure that they stay friendly. And if they don't, then they, they probably need another occupation because we're working in people's houses. We need to be friendly. Um, yeah. And then the last value uh, I talk about a lot is best places to work. Um, that's a collection of values that, um, that we talk about all the time, which is, you know, people, they don't quit their job, they quit their boss, right? Um, so we want to have good bosses. Um, we want to also have good benefits, but we want it to be fun place to work. We want them to be happy. Once again, friendly kicks in there again. Um, so that, that kind of blankets a lot of the things that I really uh, find important as a value. And then, you know, one of the great things about, about being a business owner is you get to, A, decide the values and then attract people that fit those values. Um, and if the values are worthy, you'll attract a good team of people that buy into that value system. Um, and really, that's the secret. It's, it's, really, it's really not a secret because it's in every book I've ever read. I mean, I read all these books all the time. Uh, Traction, uh, First Break All the Rules, The E-Myth. Uh, how to win friends and influence people. These aren't secrets. These are these are time-tested best practices, but you have to accept them and put them in your business. You can't just talk to talk. You have to actually walk the walk. You so. do. You do. And with that, we'll be right back for a little break there, and um, we'll talk a little bit more about that because I think values are very important um, in regards to moving forward with the company. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And then we say we're going back, Kevin, and we take a little break and we take a little breather, have a little drink, um, and then we get back moving. So I'm hopefully, ready to uh, keep... hopefully a, a transformer doesn't blow up. I know, right? Yeah. All right. So I'm coming back. And so here we go. All right. Okay, everybody. Hey, we're back here again. This is Kevin Nolan. Um, this is Marsha O'Connor in Top 3. And we're talking about Kevin and his values, his core values, and why they're so important in a successful company. And so let's continue that conversation, Kev. In regards to picking those core values, how long did it take you to figure out that those are the ones that were going to work for your special sauce? Yeah, well, you know, I first, before I did that, I did my own personal values and I went through those and then I decided, you know, some of those personal values, you know, may not be enough. They may not be for everybody. So, so I, you know, because everybody, all values are, most all values are good, right? And people choose different ones. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm a bit of a healthy health nut and I like to, so like healthy lifestyle is a big value of mine, but you, not everybody wants it that to be that such a big value. So, you know, we, we, it was, it was about finding ones that could get resonance with other people. That, that's really what it amounted to. But yeah, it took all the way till about 1997 when I sort of had this awakening that I needed to plan. I needed to act like a company, a real company, not just 
make money, but um, but have an annual plan and define what the values are. Make sure that we all agree that they're still the values, um, and then um, take each year um, with set goals, build goals for that year. And I'll tell you, it, it's fun to to achieve goals. It's even more fun to achieve goals with other people. Yeah. Like, Winning as a team is more fun than winning alone. Oh. And that's yeah, what I've yeah. kind of come to the secret of, of, you know, um, get, get everybody to agree that these goals make sense mm-hmm. and, and then go after it hard and then, and then party hard afterwards. So yep. that's always been a, a big aspect. When we did, when we finally hit 10 million, I've been talking about hitting 10 million in revenue. When we finally hit 10 million, I, um, I bought a big bell and we did a pub crawl and we went from pub to pub and I bought a round of drinks and then I rang the bell. And we went to another another pub and then eventually the bell, the, the bell eventually went silent. <laughs> <laughs> Did you remember to bring the bell with you? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have it and I've, I've done it. I have it back over here. And I've done it actually in other events as well. So uh, oh, but celebrating is a big part of what we're about as well. Um, this year we did a pretty cool thing. We did something called Nolan Adventures. Mm. And um, basically, we did all kinds of different events every weekend, every week and weekend. And then um, we invited our employees to go uh, no charge. Uh, Friday, we just did go-kart racing, which was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. But we did skeet shooting, and we did hiking, and we did zip lining, and we did whitewater rafting, and we did whitewater parks, and we did paintball, and we did painting with a twist. So we had a really fun, interesting summer because um, that's what I really wanted to do this year was everybody wanted to, right? After we were all locked away, we just wanted yeah. to do things. And so we did some fun things this uh, this year. And we're going to keep it as part of our as part of our culture is to have these known adventures. Um, maybe we'll back it off a little bit from where we were, but we'll we'll continue to have them on a, on a monthly basis. Yeah, they're fun. We do a uh, culture club and um and we do all these different events and we try to do things where we try to see each other, you know, went to the Phillies, big suite in the Phillies and they really yep. enjoyed that. But it took a little while to get them back. Like, are you, are you okay? And then they're like, yeah. when's our next event? When are we doing this? You know, and, but you have to do something because they're craving for that, even though it's very hard for them to come back in the office and yeah. I'm good with that. It's fine. But it's, it's, it's painful because we have so much stuff here and, but it's okay. You got to do what's yeah. best for your team right now. So. Absolutely. So how do you keep it all together? You've been doing this for 47 years. I know that you always, you are a big health nut. Talk to me about what you do to stay healthy. Well, I've been a big runner all my life. I, um, my, my claim to fame is I run a marathon in all 50 States. Wow. So I I finished that up about six, seven years ago. Um, and after that I did a, um, an Ironman Mm -hmm. and, um, so basically, same type of thing. Find something cool, sign up for it, and train for it. Um, this year, I did something called Source to City, which was a 300-mile um, endurance challenge from Lake Placid to uh, the World Trade Center. Wow. And uh, it was bicycling, hiking, kayaking, and running. And I, wow. I did that last month. So the whole summer, I was training in fear of it. I was training. Um, but basically I, I run most days a week and, um, I run 5k races pretty much every weekend. 
I'm a bit of a junkie. You get, you get like an adrenaline junkie where, and boy, did I miss it last year because it was gone. We didn't have any, there were no races and nope. but they're all back. And my company sponsors a lot of races. We do a oh. lot of um, community outreach. We do. Um, we have a, um, a program called Known the Neighborhood where we've agreed to uh, donate a million dollars over 10 years. And we're in our, our sixth year and we're right on schedule. Um, but a lot of them, what we do are um, community events and a lot of what we do are runs. Um, but we do concerts and all as well. But it's really fun to, to go to an event that I sponsored and run it. I mean, to me, that's, that's just life doesn't get any better, you know, yeah. um, to be a sponsor, supporter and participant um, in life. It's great. Yeah, well, that community side is a really big part of a very successful company. And, you know, I hear from a lot of uh, CEOs will tell me, oh, love to do that, just don't really have the time. And I'm like, well, honestly, I think if you make the time, you will see a huge improvement in your 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 people in regards to your recruiting, your just the, the camaraderie. And yep. I just think it's so important. But you're a big advocate of that. What what made you that so important for you and your philosophy of your company? I don't know. Once again, a lot of this stuff is innate. Then you find it, you find books about it, you find other people that share experiences, you get excited about it, and then you start to expand upon it. Um, so yeah, we we do a lot. We're, we're involved in a lot of organizations and it's fun. I meet a lot of people. Um, we find that we, so we're giving away roughly $100,000 a year. We find that we can we can do a real lot of good with that. We do we don't do big chunks of money. We do small chunks of money, five hundred dollars to here, you know, two hundred fifty to there, a thousand dollars to there. We we cover a lot of ground with that, and um, it really does work. It works in all the things that you said, you know. So my people go to these events and often volunteer um, to you know either you know give out refreshments or something like that, and. Typically, a really good, warm, good feeling comes from all that. And it's teaching people how to be, teaching people how to give and be generous is something that I've really enjoyed. Like the people that work for me, maybe they wouldn't be able to donate money on their own, but they're proud of their company doing that. Um, And then, of course, I mean, it gets me so much business, I couldn't even tell you. We, we We do have a good reputation and we cultivate that reputation. Um, but it's because, um, you know, people like us, we're, we're friendly. Why, why wouldn't you like us? We want to bring value. We want to give more than we take. Um, people like, people like that. And so it's really good for business. Um, and, um, we just get a lot of the types of customers that we want really Mm -hmm. nice, friendly, generous people. Um, and it's just a, it's a, like a virtual cycle of, of, um, of, you know, doing good creates good type of thing. Virtuous yeah. cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how, um, the, honestly, I feel like the more you give, the more you're going to get. And yeah. not even on purpose, I just think it makes you even, it feels better than, that. you know, the money, money comes. Yeah, I get that. Right. And it helps by all means. But just something about just giving and helping others. So it's just, you just. Well, like I said to you before, like, most entrepreneurs don't grow businesses for the money. No. Um, they, they do it to grow something cool, mm-hmm. you know, which is one of the great things about EO. It's one of the values of EO. Cool. Cool. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the coolest thing about um, that. Yeah. So what else do you get involved with? Like, obviously, you read a lot of books. 
You're on yep. part of EO, which is the Entrepreneurs Organization. Yeah. Um, he's part of the Philly chapter out there, everybody. And yeah. um, what else do you do to stay on top of all this stuff? Um, I mean, basically, um, I guess I'm sort of a master of the meetings. Um, we have lots of meetings. To get back to your issue about, let's say, how would you fit the time in for uh, community giving? You know, every Tuesday, I have a meeting at 4 p.m., where I review all of the community asks for the mm -hmm. week. It's a 30, 30, 40 minute meeting. Mm -hmm. I review all the asks, three of us together make decisions. We give out the answers, we clear it all out. Next week, more asks. Um, but to do that for all these different things, um, to have different meetings where I don't even run the meeting. I right. just, I make sure the meeting is well run. Yeah. Um, but I have, I mean, who would ever thought that you'd be in business to have meetings? Um, but, right. but you are. And the sooner you get good at having meetings and you have a purpose, an agenda and a length and all of that is, you know, concise and people know what's expected of them and they're safe meetings and people actually like them because they're productive meetings. Um, that's really how I manage the company is yep. by having, you know, safety meetings, training meetings, operations meetings. I have a pre-operations meeting to get ready for the operations meeting, you know, <laughs> just to really be organized. I have a recruiting meeting. Um, I have a HR meeting. So marketing, sales. Uh, I mean, it's pretty silly, but by the same token, um, it's amazing how over the course of maybe a dozen or so meetings a week, um, we really run like a top. And of course, in the post COVID world, a lot of these are being done virtually and the, um, the streamline and effectiveness is off the charts. Uh, yeah. It's amazing not having to drive, not having to be stuck in, stuck in traffic and immediately be productive from one meeting to the next. Yep. But when it's all said and done, that'll be one of the benefits of the last year and a half. Absolutely. Yeah. So to, so, Lots of good stuff here. A lot of good advice. Definitely. How do people get a hold of you and say, you know what, Kevin, I just want to talk to you about how, how you've done it and what you do. How do they get a hold of you? I uh, can certainly reach out to me by email. Um, Kevin at NolanPainting.com. As I mentioned to you, I'm a, I am a coach. I've been a coach for EO for a number of years, uh, an EOA accelerator coach. Mm -hmm. And I'm now also coaching in my brother's uh, business, my business, the uh, this the consulting business. So I really love helping entrepreneurs, and um, a lot of times I'll have them come into my building and see my my board. We have a big whiteboard with all of the different um, uh, KPIs, key performance mm -hmm. indicators, and how those KPIs are tied to different people. Nice. How people are, different people have accountabilities to each KPI, and how when they reach that that target they get a bonus and how this system basically almost manages itself yep. when you get the when you get the incentives right and you get the the goals right um people want to do well in a system like that and um yeah so i'm happy to share with um any entrepreneur um and uh, they can certainly reach out to me and i'd be happy to spend a few minutes with them 
So, Kevin, thank you so much for being a guest today. I really appreciate all those wonderful tips you've given to us, and congratulations on your success, as well as your family's success. And we will be looking forward to hearing the show. By all means, everybody stay in touch out there, and um, you got this. We'll talk soon. Take care. Bye.